How's everybody doing this morning? Boy, lively group in the afternoon, or the late service. Sorry, I'm a morning service guy, so we're pretty, we're pretty dull in the morning. Um, hey, it's good to be here. Um, if you're confused, if you thought Sean got a cool new haircut um, over winter break, it's not true. I'm not Sean. I'm Zach. My name's Zach Halligan, if you don't know who I am. Um, Sean's out of town today, and so when he's really desperate, he asked me to preach. And so that's where we're at today. So, um, but today we're going to talk about, um, if you want to start turning your Bibles, we're going to kind of get right into it. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Jonah. Um, we're going to look at Jonah today, and in the, in the spirit of, uh, you know, maybe you're feeling bad because you already failed at your New Year's resolution or whatever, and we're going to look at kind of one of the big knuckleheads in the Bible is what we're going to do. We're going to look at Jonah. And I, I, I really enjoy the story of Jonah. I think we all do. I think it's one of the craziest, the most outrageous kind of, I mean, I think we're used to the story of Jonah, but if you kind of remove yourself for a minute and think about a man getting eaten by a fish and living in there for three days and getting spit up, it's, it's insanity. You know, it's crazy. And, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk a lot about Jonah and what this meant for Jonah. But we're, what we're really going to, what I really want to focus on as we get into it is, is what this means on God's love for us. And we're going to talk a little bit, we're going to talk a little bit about that too. So um, we're going to go ahead and read Jonah chapter one, just to kind of set the story up, kind of give us a reminder what this story is all about. And it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh the, Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa, found a ship which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. The Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea. So the ship was about to break up. Then the sailors became afraid, and every man cried out to his God, and they threw the cargo which was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone below to hold up in the ship, laying down and fallen sound asleep. So the captain approached him and said, How is it that you are sleeping? Get up and call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. Each man said to his mate, come, let us cast lots so we may learn on whose account this calamity has struck us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah and they said to him, tell us now on whose account has this calamity struck us and what is your occupation and where do you come from and what is your country and what people are you from? And he said to him, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men became extremely frightened, and they said, How could you do this? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. So they said to him, What should we do to you so that the sea may calm down for us? The sea was becoming increasingly stormy, and he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you, for I know that on account of me, this great storm has come upon you. However, the men rode desperately to return to land, but they could not, for the sea was becoming even stormier against them. Then they called on the Lord and said, We earnestly pray, O Lord, do not let us perish on account of this man's life, and do not put innocent blood on us. For you, O Lord, have you done as you pleased. 
So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. And then the men feared the Lord greatly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. The Lord pointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the stomach of the fish for three days and three nights. And then if you know the rest of the story, Jonah is then spit up on land, and then he eventually goes to Nineveh reluctantly and preaches to the Ninevites. And the Ninevites turn around, and over 100,000 people turn their lives over to God because of the story. And I think what's so, well, I mean, let's be honest, there's a, there's a, there's a you could preach a thousand sermons on the, on the book of Jonah, but I think what's the thing is, for me, that's so, the thing about Jonah that I think is so interesting, like the thing that always jumps off the page as I'm reading or I'm thinking about the story of Jonah or, or people, people are talking about it. The thing about Jonah is, like, he never, he never lost sight of who God was. And what I mean by that is this, is that, you know, lots of times, I think we can all relate with Jonah, because I think we all understand, or we've already seen somebody run away from God. And the thing about Jonah, I guess we got to understand first, is this, is that Jonah, like, he didn't just, like, turn his back on, like, he went as far away as he could imagine from Nineveh, like, the total opposite away of where he was called to go. He ran as far away as he could go. But the thing with Jonah is, and I think when we think about those people that acted like this, that have turned their backs on God, that have ran away from God, I think many times we have this feeling like, like people maybe like have forgotten who God was, or they've lost belief in God, or they don't understand God. And as we look at Jonah... And we look at this story, throughout the story, I don't think Jonah ever forgot who God was. I think Jonah had a clear understanding of who God was in his life. When the sailors asked him, Jonah, who, who did this? He said it was the creator of the heavens and the earth. I think Jonah was aware that he wasn't going to get away from the presence of God in Tarshish. If we look further on in the story, because here's the thing about Jonah. There's nothing really redeeming that Jonah does in the entire story of the, or in the entire book of Jonah. There's not really a point in Jonah where you're like, oh, he finally gets it. If you turn all the way over to chapter 4 and you read what Jonah says, and so if you know the story of Jonah, he goes and he preaches to the Ninevites. They turn their lives around. He goes and sits up in the desert and he's mad about it. And Jesus makes a plant. It comes over him. He sends a bug to eat the plant. And then he's still angry at God. And here we find Jonah. And this is what he says after he's, he was part of God's love and his mercy and all this. He still turns to God and he says, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I know, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than it is to live. 
Jonah understood who God was. He understood where God fit in his life. He understood the grace and the love and the mercy of God. Jonah just stood there and looked at God and just goes, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't agree with you, God. And how crazy is that? I mean, think about that for a minute. Like, how, it, sounds, like it almost makes Jonah sound more horrible when you say it out loud. That he just looked in the face of God and he said, I know you're the creator of the heaven and the earth. I know you're loving and gracious. I just don't agree. I don't want to do what you want to do. But the problem is this. Like, we've been killing Jonah for 3,000 years. Let's be real. Every Sunday, somebody gets up like I am and kills Jonah. You know? But I think if we are going to be honest... And I know we're in church, not supposed to be honest, but let's be honest for a minute. I'm saying that sarcastically. If we look at Jonah, how many times in our own lives have we woken up and we've faced a situation or we've looked in the mirror or we've looked at a time in our life and we knew what we were doing was wrong. We didn't forget about who God was, we just flat out didn't want to listen to him. How many times do we look at a decision or, 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 uh, or anything and we just go, yeah, this is wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. Shoot, I might do it this afternoon. And I think it's real easy for us to get up in church and look at Jonah and, and read about him and just, and, just, and just kill him for his actions. But I think lots of times, I think we see ourselves in Jonah lots of times. And I think lots of times the question is why? Why would Jonah make this decision to just say, no, God, I don't think they deserve the mercy and grace that you're offering? And I think what Jonah had in his mind, I think he had a lot of the same thoughts and ideas and, 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 and ways of looking at himself as the Pharisees and the Sadducees did in Jesus' time. And over and over and over again, we see the Pharisees going to battle with Jesus. And the fact is, they were so good at what it was that God wanted them to do. They were so good at making their lives look like everything what God wanted to do. They were very good and they were very knowledgeable about on what God was about. Same with Jonah. But they forgot the why. They forgot why God put those things into place. Why God put the law into place. Why God calls us to do certain things. They forgot the why of what God is about. And they forgot that this love and this grace and this mercy is for everybody because nobody deserves it. And they, they tricked themselves in their mind to think that because of all these things they did, because their life looks a certain way, because they've tithed so much, that they deserve something more than people who haven't. And they believe the lie that many times I think as Christians who've been Christians for a long time, we can tell ourselves that we are somehow better than other people, that we somehow deserve this mercy and this love and that we did something to earn it and you haven't. And that can hold us back from sharing this loving, this merciful God with other people. In Matthew 23, 23, Jesus said this to the Pharisees, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weighted provisions of the law, justice, mercy and faithfulness 
but these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. And in the same way, I think Jonah focused too much on all the good things that he had done and none of the good things that the Ninevites had done. And I think it caused him to miss out on the opportunity that God had for him. And I think the second, maybe the second reason Jonah missed it was this. I think, I think that, well, I think there's probably a lot of reasons, but the second thing I think we can relate to in the American church is this. Is did you know that it's most likely that, that Jonah was rich? Jonah probably was a fairly wealthy guy, and the reason I say that, or reason scholars think that he was a wealthy guy, is because as soon as he was called to go to Nineveh, he was able to just run down to a boat and, and, and sail to Tarshish, and said, it said that he was able to pay the fare. And the amount of people that would have had the money to go down and get on a boat and flee at that time was very few. Now, we could talk about rich for a minute, and I know this is... And we could throw, I can throw out statistics, and this is usually how rich goes. Is usually if you make under $50,000, you say somebody who makes $100,000 is rich. The people who make $100,000 usually say people who make $200,000 are rich. The people who make $200,000 usually say people who make a million dollars are rich. And on and on and on and it goes. And basically what it goes is nobody's rich. Nobody thinks they're rich. Here's the problem. You can look at a lot of different statistics. If you're between lower, middle class to middle class, you're somewhere between the top 1% to top 10% in the world income. Basically, if you live in this country and you have a job, if you're sitting, if God's looking down on earth, we're rich. We live a lifestyle that is so comfortable the world has never seen it before. And the thing is, with money becomes comfort. We live in a country and we are, are, I guess, thought of what a normal life looks like is so much more comfortable than anybody else on the planet and so much more comfortable than any other time in history. I mean, there's a button that opens my garage door. I can't take 30 seconds to open my garage door. I have a robot that vacuums my rug. Our comfort is outstanding. Now, I'm not saying that's a sin. And I'm not saying because Jonah was rich, it was a sin. But what God called Jonah to do was uncomfortable. What God called Jonah to do was very uncomfortable and dangerous. And I imagine Jonah lived a fairly comfortable life. And so many times for us, we live in extreme comfort. That many times the God's call is uncomfortable. And it's a little harder for us to break out of that comfort to go do something crazy that God calls us to do. And I think there's a part of Jonah that that pulled on him, that that is too uncomfortable for him to do. But it's something we need to be weary about as Christians in the United States because when the Bible talks about the rich, it talks about us. And we need to be very wary of it when God's calling because many times God's calling is uncomfortable. And the thing that Jonah missed out on, you see, because of, I think, his comfort, because of his judgmental, because he thought he knew better than God, just think about what Jonah missed out on. We could be talking about a whole different book of Jonah than the decisions, because of the decisions Jonah made. But the thing about this story is, It's not really about Jonah. Jonah's a big part of it. 
And Jonah, Jonah plays a role in it. Because of Jonah's decisions, the story changes. But really what this story's about is God having a love that is so great, that is so big, that is so amazing. It doesn't matter how stupid our actions are, or stupid Jonah's actions are. God is going to vehemently go after his people. God is going to find a way to pour his love and his mercy all over these people, no matter what happens. That God is seeking out people to pour his love on them. No matter what direction, no matter how hard they're trying not to, no matter what is going on in their lives, that God is diligently seeking after people in this story. The thing about what, what, what God does in this story is, if you think about the sailors for a minute, the sailors, all we know, good people, worshipped other gods, and God used this situation to expose himself to them, to give them the opportunity to experience his love and his mercy. In Romans 8, 28, it says this. It says, and we know in that all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. And isn't that true in this story? As we look at Jonah's twists and turns and bad decisions and horrible things and all the good and the love that God works in this. That you think about these sailors that didn't know anything, they just took a fare from a guy and they end up in this horrible situation. And yet in that situation, they discover God. It says that they offered sacrifices to God and God was able to show his mercy on them. You think about Jonah. Think about Jonah. And all throughout this story, like I said, there was never really a redeeming factor in this story. If you took out the words that Jonah said and just went by his actions, you'd probably never have thought he'd ever heard of God or knew God or wanted anything to do with God. But time and time again, somebody who followed God and continued to turn his back and make horrible decisions, God went after him. At first, God offers him this amazing opportunity to go out and share his love with other people. And Jonah turns his back on him. And yet God goes after him. God sends a fish after him. He goes to Nineveh. He saves the th thousands of people. He goes and he sits on, on a on a hill, and he's just still mad at God, and yet God still goes after him. And the unique and different ways that God tries to teach him a lesson and show him his love, like through the plant that he puts over him to give him shade, to show him grace and mercy, and then the, he sends a worm to eat it so he can understand the love and the mercy he poured out on the other people. God continues to go after him, and maybe you're in that spot. Maybe you've turned your back on God. Maybe you've followed God for a long time and you've turned your back on God, but you know that God continually goes after you. And the third one, we think about the Ninevites. Jerry, could you put that picture up real quick? I want to show you this picture. This is the god Dagon, or Dagon, I don't know, it's D-A-G-A-N. I'm never real good at those pronunciation things they put on there, but... This God is a, a fertility God, and they found him in, our, in Assyria, and they've also found this God as they were uh, 
excavating uh, the Nineveh site. And this was one of the gods they worshipped in Nineveh. And I don't know if you can see that picture, but that's basically a fish on the backside, and it's a half fish, half man god. And in this picture, it looks like a man coming out of a fish. And through Jonah's bad decisions and getting eaten by a fish as he comes to Nineveh, as he spit out of the fish and comes, tells the story, and as the people, as Jonah would come tell them a story about him getting spit out of a fish, that's normal to the Ninevites. They understand that. They understand deities from the sea. They already believed in that. And God uses this unique, weird I mean, super miraculous situation to expose himself to the Ninevites. All throughout this story, as things twist and people make bad decisions and, and, and people turn their backs on gods in different sort of ways at different times for different spans of their life all throughout this story, whether it's the Ninevites or Jonah or the people on the boat, the only consistent thing throughout this story is God continuing to chase after his people. God continuing to work and chase after to show his grace and his love and his mercy towards his people. And you know, maybe you sitting in this room, maybe you're like a Ninevite, not even thinking about God, just doing your thing. I want to tell you today that there is a God who loves you and wants to pour his mercy and his grace all over you, that you may have eternal life. You might be a guy like on the boat that makes all his intentions, purses sound like good people, living a good life, but they were worshiping empty idols. They were calling out to things that were never coming. And there is a God that loves you and wants you and will answer your prayers. Maybe a lot of us in this room were like Jonah. Where maybe we, we, God is calling us to something and we're too comfortable to do it. Maybe God's calling us to something and we feel like we just don't want to do it, God. I got better things to do. I know better than you. God's going to continue to go after us because he loves us and he's merciful. And I think, honestly, Jonah says it the best at the end of chapter 4. He says, I know that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, and a God who relents from sending calamity. We have that God that wants to pour all those things out on us. And no matter what decision we make, no matter which way we go, no matter how far we try to run away from the presence of him, he is going to continue to go after us. And so I hope you take heart in that. I hope you know as you go out in this new year, and that no matter how many failings you have, or no matter how many times you felt like you've turned your back on God, that you have a God that is coming after you to pour his love on you, to pour his grace on you, and to pour his mercy on you.